Welcome to the Planet Laundry Podcast. In this edition of the podcast, we chat with Ryan Spicer, a multi-store laundry operator with locations in the New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania markets. Ryan grew up in his family's bicycle business and also spent 13 years in the nightclub industry before getting into the laundromat business. Additionally, he is one of the newest members of the Coin Laundry Association's Board of Directors. Ryan discusses growing up in an entrepreneurial family, what attracted him to the laundry industry, and how to source new locations and successfully scale a laundromat business, as well as sharing his thoughts on the importance of the Laundry Cares Foundation. The Planet Laundry Podcast is brought to you by Planet Laundry, the magazine of the Coin Laundry Association. This is the Planet Laundry Podcast. I'm your host and the editor of Planet Laundry Magazine, Bob Neiman. Today, I'm with Ryan Spicer, who is a multi-store owner based in the New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania markets. Ryan grew up in his family's bicycle business, and he also spent 13 years in the nightclub industry before getting into the laundry business. Additionally, Ryan is one of the newest members of the Coin Laundry Association's board of directors. Hey, Ryan, thanks for being here today. Hey, Bob. Thank you so much for your time. No, you bet. Well, first of all, congratulations on your election to the CLA board. Thank you. Uh, very exciting and looking forward to what it's going to lead to. Why were, you, why were you interested in serving on the association's board in the first place? I, I saw it as an opportunity to see you know, where the industry is going and try and stay ahead of the curve. Surrounding yourself with people who are leaders of the industry seems to always be a good decision, in my opinion. Well, what are your goals for your tenure on the board? What exactly would you like to help uh, the CLA accomplish in those years? You know, I think, it, I think it's an interesting time in the industry where technology is coming into play and things that I've seen in the industries I was in prior to the laundry that I think I'm going to be able to help out in projects that are a little edgy, that bringing trends, you know, to the market right now that, that haven't been there in the years prior. So I think it's going to be fun just uh, bringing a, a younger <laughs> approach to the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you, you come to the laundromat business by way of the, uh, the nightclub industry, as well as the bicycle business. So can you tell me a little bit about that and a bit about your, your past professional history before laundry? Yes, before laundry. Actually, it's funny. We opened a, a bar when I was 21 years old. Um, I have a brother and sister that we're partners with that are, you know, one is uh, 20, one was 23, one was 25 at the time. But Owning family businesses is interesting because you become the person that wears all the hats. You know, you, you learn many aspects of the business that the bar industry taught me, you know, just how to really adapt and how to change and how to do things on your feet. We've been in the bar industry now for 13 straight years. We still own a bar, trending more in the laundromat industry at this point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, what specifically did did the nightclub industry and that environment teach you? How did it prepare you for life as now uh, more a uh, more of a laundry owner? So, I think what the bar and nightclub industry does is it teaches. If you if you ever ran a bar, you run a bar or a restaurant, you learn there's moving pieces happening at all times, and you learn that you can't control every environment. You just try and control as much as you can. What it's funny what what I've what we learned in the bar is that, and then what we brought into the laundry is taking some of those philosophies that the laundry is much slower, 
So it actually gives you the ability to control more things. So that's kind of why we've transitioned into the, the laundry from the bar. Right, but right. from the bar, what you want is that you have to be ahead of the curve. You have to constantly be adapting. You have to be okay with change. What's okay today might not be okay tomorrow. And those strategies in life, I feel like, are really valuable. Right. Certainly that flexibility and uh, that ability to kind of change on a dime. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, when did the laundry industry finally uh, find its way into the picture in your life? So about 10 years ago, we were in the bar industry and a broker came to my brother and said, you know, I got a laundromat for sale, three laundromats for sale. Now you look back on it, we should have bought all three, but we, we looked at all three and we said, there's a small one, a medium size and a large store. And we bought the, the middle store and we did it kind of just to see what it was about at the time, because we knew the gentleman that was selling it. Cause he, he owned the, he actually owned the laundromat next to my father's bike shop. So we, you know, that, that was kind of, that was 10 years ago to, to, to this time, actually, of the year. Actually. Mm-hmm. We actually owned that store for four years without doing anything else in the industry, just that one store. Okay. Just kind of getting your feet and wet and learning, we, learning the business and going slowly that way. Yeah. So what had happened was when we purchased the store, we, we purchased it with seller financing on like a four, four or five year note. And we did that intentionally to make sure that the gentleman, the numbers were all accurate. So we didn't do anything in the business until we owned that store fully outright. And, you know, we made some changes because we were in the bar industry and it closed at four in the morning. We converted the store to 24 hours because we said we're up anyway. So if somebody calls us with a problem, it's no big deal. Right. But, um, yeah, it was, it was the four years that we were very stagnant, just trying to understand the industry, you know, get to know some uh, mechanics and get your feel for, for what's going on in, in the business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what specifically attracted you to the laundry business? You know, I think, I think in the beginning we did it as let's see what this is about. So the first store was what attracted us was the fact that you didn't have, it was a self-service store, no washing fold, no, no workers. If somebody came in at nighttime and cleaned, we would clean up during the day. But what attracted us to it was the bar industry is a heavy labor intensive industry. And we said that this industry requires one worker, two hours a day, we should definitely look into it. And what the scalability that we didn't realize, you know, at that point that the scalability was there because we, we had struggled with that in the bar industry because you take five steps forward and then you take seven steps back because there's so many moving pieces. Mm-hmm. But in the laundry, what we had learned after the four years, after that trial period, I guess, of us owning the first store is that, the scalability was there and, you know, quality of life is a little different than, you know, being up until five in the morning every day or. <laughs> I can imagine. Right. So right. When we took all consideration. Right. Right. Well, talk, talking about those earlier days, who helped you when you were first getting started in the laundry business? <laughs> so it's interesting. Well, the seller financing definitely helped, you know, it definitely helped us get our feet in the doors of purchasing the store. But the downside of it was the relationships that the previous owner had weren't the best relationships because of practices that happened between them and mechanics and stuff like that. So believe it or not, I think we bought the store with 20, 20 machines or 25 machines. I think within the first week, there was about 15, 16 machines broken and we had about nobody to call. So 
uh, getting thrown into it was good. And we, and we learned that we, we found a mechanic. Lucky enough, I think we had experience in business from the bar that taught us that you need to build relationships. And, you know, we kind of started from scratch because we didn't have someone in the business and the family that could help us lead us in the right direction. But, you know, calling people, you know, getting numbers and just doing the right thing, I think, worked out in a, in a very positive way for us. Right. Absolutely. Well, I mean, as you mentioned, you, you've grown your laundry business now from uh, just a couple of stores to, to several in, in relatively short order. What are the keys to scaling your business so so quickly? What are, what are some keys to scaling a laundry business? Yeah. So some things that we've, we've been successful with was when we purchase a store from an operator, we try and look at what's going on. And if it's not broken, we don't necessarily try and fix it. So, you know, I think the industry as a whole is a very multidimensional industry where you have wash, dry, fold, you have self-service, you have pickup and delivery. And to put your finger on any of those and say you have to run your business this way, I think is completely wrong. We, you know, we've, we've had a lot of success by taking over stores and just running them the way that they run and, and building, keeping the relationships going and, you know, working with the people that have been there. I mean, we have stores of workers that have been there for 10 years, 12 years. When we come into stores, we tell the workers there, hey, we're not here to change anything. We're here to hopefully make things better or if you have any suggestions that we can make it, you know, work better for you. But we're not here to change it. I think that's that's interesting because yeah. by not disrupting what goes on creates the ability for stability, which creates the ability for scalability. That's a great point. Yeah, that, that's really good advice. Absolutely. Well, hey, for, for other owners out there who may have one store or two stores and they're looking to grow their number of stores, how do you find deals? How do you find deals? So I think the best way to find deals is being in the marketplace. So I always joke around and, and it's going to sound crazy, but there's brokers that bring deals. There's the internet that has deals. And then there's just going out there and talking to people. I mean, I always joke around and brokers hate when I say this, but there was a a laundromat that we had purchased where we were doing work on another laundromat and we had some guys working for us. And one of the gentlemen that was working for the day said, Hey, I know a guy up the street that wants to sell a laundromat. And we went right up the street that day. And believe it or not, I worked at a deal with the gentleman. I bought the store and I called my, my partner. I said, you're not going to believe this, but I think we just bought the store up the street. <laughs> and I think he was working for us for the day and he wasn't a broker. And it was a great deal because the numbers weren't built in, you know, the ability to grow the store was completely there. And it's, it's a great store for us at this point. But I think you just have to stay in the game and just keep, you know, keep shooting shots, like keep keep going for it. And, right. and things kind of fall into place sometimes. And, you know, people, you, know, you got you to really do your due diligence. You know, some people are trying to sell lemons and some people are genuinely good people. So I think it's important to, you know, don't judge people, don't judge Hey, this guy's selling what's wrong. You know, sometimes someone's selling because they want to move on. They want to change industries. They want to retire. It's not always, you know, I think when people go in to look at a store, you're like, well, I'm trying, you're always trying to find the negative. And sometimes it's just the picture is what it is. And and that works. Right. 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 You just got to look at it on a case by case basis and uh, keep an open mind. And like you said, you know, just stay involved. That's it. Just to stay, stay out there, talk to distributors. You know, talk to mechanics, go to other stores, go to events. I mean, the CLA does does great events. I mean, if you're not at those events, I, I don't understand it personally because they give you 
they put you in a room with people that are like-minded, that are all going at it the same way you're going at it. And you're always going to learn from an event. You're always going to learn from going there and talking to someone else. You could talk to someone in Atlanta, Georgia, about how did they find stores? You may learn something that day that you come back home and you may be able to find something from talking to people who are doing it. Right. Right, right. It's always good to talk to like-minded people uh, who may not be in your market. Just kind of, you know, share stories and share notes. Take it from there. Yeah, of yeah, course. yeah. What well, you know, in your opinion, what are some of the leading issues for laundry owners today? You know, what are some of the biggest concerns that you're hearing from other store owners, uh, maybe around the country? So I think I think business right now is hard in general. Right? I think costs are rising, labor costs are rising, machinery is getting more expensive. Build-outs are higher. Retools are just as expensive. Finance is expensive. I mean, everything right now is trending in a, you know, expensive mentality. But I think that when things like that happen, it creates opportunity. And, you know, you, you have to look at your stores. If you have stores right now, you have to look at ways of increasing revenue inside the four walls you had. I, I'll never forget in the bar industry about three, four years in, I was always concerned about what's going on. Like what's going on in the town? What are other people doing? And, and a gentleman that was older than me said, Hey, you know, I think the best strategy I've lived by is control your four walls, you know, find ways to maximize your revenue inside your four walls and everything's always going to work out. So, you know, right now I feel like everybody's feeling the pressure of utility costs rising and, you know, you want to get a new machine, but it's so expensive. You know, sometimes you should have to think outside the box in these times and find ways to increase revenue, find ways to cut costs, find ways to get through it. Or if you're going to buy a new machine, you're going to have to retool, you know, do it in a way where don't do the whole store or, or do the whole store, but just figure out a way that you can benefit financially going into it with a game plan. And, and, I, and I think that, you know, when costs go up, they don't always come down. So I think that, you know, keeping your stores nice and and, you know, painting them and adding TVs and doing little things that, you know, make you better than other stores. The ability to charge more money. And when you charge more money, you make more money. So I think now is the time that if you're looking for like the simple mentality that was 10 years ago, you know, maybe that doesn't work today. Maybe you have to advertise a little more and, and things that are trending, you know, in, a, in the marketplace. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Well, beyond beyond costs and 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 maybe uh, those type of aspects, anything else? Any other issues uh, that you're seeing out there, or anything you're hearing from other other operators? I mean, costs are heavy. You know, I think that's you know dollars and cents are at the end of the day what what what, what are attracting people. What's happening, I think, in this industry is that it's getting attractive because people have seen the scalability. A lot of social media influencers are pushing you know it in a direction where it's creating more competition. So I think that's hurting people when it comes to, not hurting, but it's making it harder to find stores and there's new people coming in, which makes the industry better too. So there's, you know, there's two ways of looking at it. But I think, I think that, you know, right now I hear cost, 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 you know, because, and I think that you just have to find ways around it to make it work because it's not always the time to grow. Sometimes it's the time to just sustain mm -hmm. or, things as is or find a way to you know keep your nois in line and stuff like that so i think right now is the time when costs are high to just find a way to zone in and make sure your stores right are doing what you want your stores to do right you know right controlling those four walls as you said you got yeah four walls. well yeah. ryan what's your what's your favorite aspect of the laundromat business you've been in it 10 years now uh, what do you enjoy the most so i i like it's interesting because laundromats are funny because they're a staple in the community 
So, you know, some, some of our stores are in the suburbs, some are more city driven. So when you get to the city driven businesses, like you're a staple inside the community. So I like the fact that everyone comes together, you know, right. We're not at the stores every day. I'm not in every store every day per se, but we try and build a family environment, a community environment. And we try and do, you know, we do a lot of specials inside the stores that help people out. Like Christmas is coming do big toy drives, you know, once a month we do free draw, uh, free wash, free dry. You know, we mm-hmm. work with third party community to to help the community, and I think that the community side of it is really interesting because starting in the bar industry, you think it's normal that every day people just go out drinking, but then when you get in this business, you're like, wait, families come together, they do laundry, you know, there's kids, you know, folding clothes, and 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 there's a lot of values that happen in the laundromat that you know, right parents are teaching. Kids how to do things that, that I was taught as a kid, you know, you got to go long. Hey, I didn't go to the laundromat, but Hey, you got to go to the laundromat. Your, your dad may say, you got to go to the laundromat with your mom and help her out. And, and you see families together. I just think I see that as a really attractive thing. And besides, besides the community side of it, the scalability of the industry, you know, we definitely love. And the fact that, you know, it depends on your type of business. So like when you run a store that's a um, self-service store, you're not tied down to the store all day. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you have the ability to go and come and go and cameras and watch what's going on. So I kind of like the freedom of that because I didn't have that before, <laughs> before you built up the laundry mess, right. to be honest. Right, right. Well, you mentioned the uh, the community aspect of it and the family aspect of it and that whole that whole thing. And I know you've been quite involved with the uh, the Laundry Cares Foundation. Can you tell yes. me about that and why that organization is important to you? So Laundry Care is interesting because um, as an owner of a business, or you never lose track of other people or what's going on in life. But Laundry Care really puts things in perspective where, you know, books and things like I wasn't necessarily the, the kid that loved school when I grew up, per se. But you see that the opportunity that you bring to kids by a library. We put libraries in a lot of stores. You see kids in the corner reading books. You, they take books. We, we're bringing books. We're bringing coloring books. And Laundry Care does a really good job at helping these communities that are distressed and, you know, giving chances to people, which is it's a chip in a seat, right? You never know who the next entrepreneur is going to be or, you know, these kids and, and helping them out as families and mothers. And it, it's a... Uh, it's really interesting. I mean, it, it touches your heart. The, the best way of describing laundry care is if you're in the industry and they're doing an event anywhere you could drive to, whether that's 100 miles, whatever you feel like you could drive to is going to an event. And when you see the, the impact of the kids and the families that it's helping, the words are undescribable. Right. Absolutely. Perfect. Great. Great stuff. Going back to the business aspect of things, what segment of your laundry business right now seems to be performing the best? I know you run full service operations. What's working the best right now and why do you think that is? We don't run wash, we don't run delivery, right? So we run full service mm-hmm. and we run um, wash and fold. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny because we have a lot of different areas. So, like some stores really do well with wash and fold. Some stores we don't even really offer wash and fold where we don't have any workers there. Self service is know only there our self-service is strong we focus in on self-service because we like that business model of people coming in and giving them the ability to do their laundry and keeping a welcoming environment and nice stores and and 
what, what we do necessarily isn't what everyone does or what everyone needs to do. But for us, we, we, our business model from the beginning was to focus in on self-service. We always looked at it as if we focus in on self-service at some point, we have the ability, if we want to bring in more wash, dry, fold and or delivery, we have the ability to do it. But we felt like self-service needs to be the core of the business. It's been a good success for us so far. And when we look at stores, we, we look for, you know, self-service driven stores. You know, we, we try and stay away from heavy wash, dry, fold. Not that wash, dry, fold's wrong. Not, not that it's not a good business. It, mm-hmm. it just didn't fit the model we were trying to go for. Right, right. Do you have a business philosophy? Have you developed anything like that that helps guide your decisions with, uh, with this business? So in terms of guiding decisions and philosophies, I mean, I don't know if it's a philosophy, but we really stick with like, trust your gut. You know, I mean, I don't know if it's in terms of how we approach deals. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's been a while. So now a lot of, we've had brokers that bring us deals that, you know, you can kind of, that we don't deal with anymore per se, right? Because it wasn't the right person or people weren't trying to do the right thing. So, you know, in terms of philosophy, when you get involved in the business, just trust your gut. I mean, we, we have stores where I make some decisions sometimes that you would say, why'd you do that? And, and I, and I talk to my partner, it's my brother. So it's really, we've been going at it together for 14 years. So I think it's, it's easier because I have the ability to just say, Hey, I did this, but you know, we have free dry markets. We have, you know, 20 for 20s randomly um, just to give back to certain communities and crush your gut. I mean, I go to stores and I see things are, you know, could be better. And then we focus in on, you know, you feel it. Like when you, like we, I'll give you a good example. We had a store that needed new dryers and I knew it needed new dryers. But every time I go there, I I see the people look at me like I was a little crazy. So at one point I said to my brother, yeah, we got to put new dryers in. And he's like, it's expensive. And I know it's expensive. And I said, let's just do it. We trust our gut. We did it. And that stores up, you know, 30, 40% since we've ever done that. And feeling, you know, when you go into a store, boots on the ground is so important because you can actually see what goes on. So we really try and touch our stores and get involved, not too involved where we're overstepping boundaries of workers, mm-hmm. but trust, you know, the gut and talking to the customers when you're there. And I think that the more you do that, the, the better it is. And understanding the environment you're in. I'm going to give one more example. We purchased a store right snack of the pandemic. I mean, it couldn't have been a worse timing to purchase a store potentially because no one knew the world was going to shut down, right? And, and, we did a, and we did a little special. It was 20 for 20. So you put 20 on your card, you get 20 for free. And it was something to build up, you know, as a brand new store. And it was in such a distressed area that the pandemic really hurt. And we kept that special. That was supposed to be a 30-day special that we kept for nine months. And yeah, and the reason for nine months wasn't financially beneficial to us necessarily, but the area kind of needed it. And if we pulled it at any point, I felt like it would have really hurt the business. And and the people appreciate that, you know. Right. So, in terms of philosophy, I don't know if that covers it, but the customers see you and they know what you do and they know how you react. So the more right you do by the people, mm-hmm. the more right the business will by you. Yeah, no, I I think that definitely is a philosophy, and I think that's a good one. Absolutely. Personally, Ryan, what's what's the biggest business mistake you've ever made? If you care to share it, and that could either be in laundry or uh, or otherwise, some other venture. Yeah. It's funny because uh, I used to I used to joke around. My one of my friends went to a culinary school when we were in the bar industry, and yeah. and I said to someone, I had a consultant that worked for me at one point, and he said, 
I was like, I don't understand why people do this. And he said, well, the truth is this. I'll pay 200000 for my education. If you don't go to school, it's going to cost you, could cost you a million dollars. So the point of that is the mistakes you make every single day are mistakes. But learning from the mistakes gives you the ability to come out on the other side if you keep pushing through them. So we made we make mistakes every day. We made mistakes day one. We still make mistakes today. But just just acknowledging the mistakes and having the ability to just push through as hard as as hard as you can is going to get you to the other side. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had. To, <laughs> I mean, I'm <laughs> tons of mistakes over the years. I'm sure, but yeah. but nothing when you're when you commit to saying you're going to make it, mm-hmm. no mistake's going to knock you down. Right. So if you're right. in this to to make your store work, I mean, we've had building inspectors, you know, I mean, everything happened to us where people are trying to constantly push back. If you're just willing to just push through, it always works out. Sure. Yeah, that, that commitment is a powerful thing. And I think, as you say, is, is you know, all the mistakes you make, as long as you're learning from them, it's a positive uh, outcome in the end. I, th- I think so. Sean, so my partner, Sean, is my brother, yeah. and mm-hmm. we both come from the baseball background in school. Sean was an unbelievable athlete. You know, I played I played baseball as well. And baseball is a great sport because you fail 70 percent of the time. And you could be in the Hall of Fame. People always say that. But when you actually understand it, you're, you're going at something knowing you're going to fail. But you keep going because, you know, if you keep doing it, you're going to do well. So it's like having a sports mentality, I feel like has really helped us in life. And I give it to my parents. I mean, pushing us when we were younger and constantly being, you know, positive, positive, positive people in our life and, and letting us fall, you know, like letting us make mistakes and letting us, I'm a parent now. So I see it. It's really hard to see your kid and maybe know that they're going to fall. But the fact that our parents let us get out there and, and do things, I mean, was, was, was really impressive. Really. and, And it really helped us. When we had our first bar, we raised money for the bar. And I'll never forget. Um, we asked my dad, hey, you want to put money into the bar? And he said, I want to put money in the bar. I said, why? He said, because if it doesn't work, I'm going to have to help you guys out. And and knowing that he had our back from the beginning, you know, was always an important thing. And then the landlord joked around and said, you know, a large percentage of bar restaurants go out of business. I'll, I'll bet you that it doesn't work. And my dad took the bet. And every year he pitched on the bet against the landlord because he knew that. I love that. You know, the kid. Yeah. We're going to put, you know, perfect. I love that. That's a great day. That's a great story. Where do you turn for business business advice? And I guess it probably isn't too far. I mean, you've got a family who's uh, an entrepreneurial family, but where do you where do you go for business advice? Well, of course, Sean. Mm-hmm. You know, my partner. Yeah. we're back and forth all day. I mean, we must talk like forty times a day. I mean, nonstop. There's no barrier. There's no time frame. I've called him at three in the morning um, <laughs> for business advice. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it's almost too much sometimes. I'll never forget. I didn't have kids. Sean had his first kid. We owned the bar. And we were redoing the bar menu, the food menu. And I went to the hospital with my laptop. And I, I think about it now. What was I doing? And I was like, oh, congratulations on the baby. We got to finish the menu. And Sean was like, oh, let's do it. So the baby was in the corner. His wife was, you know, in the bed. And we were doing the menu. Long story short, we, we named the sandwich after the baby. But you know, maybe that's too much. Now I look back, and I'm like, what was I doing? But, you know, having a core family, you know, and my father, you know, growing up in business, I always joke around. My mother went back to work when I was um, maybe five, six, seven. And 
I, I was really with my dad at that point a lot. And I was always at the bike shop and just watching him and decisions he's made. And, you know, it, it, it grows on you fast. Like kids watch, you know, kids understand what goes on and they hear you talk. And, you know, having that constantly in my life where you know, my parents always set us up where it was like, hey, you can go buy sneakers, $30. If you want to buy a $50 sneaker, you're going to pay for it. And giving us the ability to make decisions is important. And right or wrong, that helps you in business, you know? So, you know, our parents are really there for us and they, and they helped us in decisions and not making decisions for us, you know, going back to the old school pie charts, good, bad, maybe in the middle. And, and constantly we still do that. And, you know, I'm very lucky that we purchased a store from um, uh, Dan Marazzo and really been a major impact in, in the business for us because, you know, Dan's a genuinely really good guy and has helped us. And, you know, I could call Dan at any moment and say, hey, I'm in this problem. And he's like, well, I've been there. So here's what I did. So, and it helps you. The more people you know in the industry, and Dan's led us to more people. And, you know, you just kind of have to talk to people and listen and listen to what they say, you know, and it may not be what you think or what you want to hear sometimes, or maybe, maybe you're, you're wrong in the decision, but when you listen to someone else and they give you the truth, you have to be able to keep your ego at the door and make the right decision, you know, and that's something you're not having an ego and throwing it to the side is really important because, you know, when people give their genuine advice and exp- live experiences of things they've done, you got to listen, you know? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Well, that's interesting. What, what, what traits do you think it takes to be a successful laundromat owner these days? Lack of ego. <laughs> I mean, ego, ego could go. Yeah. I mean, ego <laughs> in anything in life is, is yeah. Factor, right. But, um, I think it's, I think it's a great industry. I, I think you just need that. You want, you got to want to do it, you know, mm-hmm. and you got to just be okay with change and things happen and you know like you can't right. dwell on little things you know sometimes you look at, you look at the forums online and, and and people get so focused on one thing and and i don't see it you know i think that you gotta things are gonna happen every store is different the, the thing about the launch ministry is that every market is different and when you're looking at a store or you're in a store you can't it, it's you can take certain things from other stores and bring it to this store but right. they don't always work, you know, and, and you mm-hmm. got to just be able to, in this business, you got to really listen to the customers. You got to really try and understand the customers, you know, you know, you want to go into a really tough area and push, wash, dry, fold, you may fall on your face. You know, you, you want to go into a really nice area and push self-service, you may not make it. So understanding where you're at and, and being able to be flexible and, and adapt is the key trait. Of course, you got to work hard. Of course, you gotta. You know, there's common things that happen in, in every business. You gotta, you know, it's not a nine to five schedule. You know, you gotta be ready 24 hours to, to make changes and do what you gotta. Do. But you gotta really be able to be flexible. I mean, flexibility is key. Right, right, right. What are your business goals for 2024? Yeah, I mean, 2024 is gonna be fun. I think um, we finally have built a, a business where we have a good, a good team. You know, a great team and. You know, we we have the, we have the mechanic, you know, the mechanics, and we have our management in place, and we're going to work on some more management tools necessarily to to make the, each store stronger. But I think growth is going to be key in twenty twenty four, and I think that you know if we just keep our head down and just keep doing what we're doing and going for it, I think I think positive things are going to happen. So mm-hmm. 
We're excited for 2024. I feel like it's been a very long run to get to where we're at. Yeah. I think now is the opportunity time where we're prepared for where we are. For the last 10 years, I don't think we were ever prepared. I think we were just crazy enough to go do it. But now I feel like we actually have a game plan in place where, you know, if something happens, we have the mechanic. And, you know, it, it, it takes a while to get to the point where you can build an organization in a way. And, you know, we're trying to really – you know, focus in on that to make uh, to make it better, to make our schools better and to grow. Right. Well, with that said, what advice can you share with other owners or maybe potential investors today that you wish you maybe, maybe you knew when you were getting started? So I think like, listen, get involved in the CLA, you know, go to events, you know, go to stores, check them out, do your homework. Um, you know, keep your, Keep your eyes open and and jump in. If you're ready to go, go. You know, if you're ready to open up a store or buy a store, you know, talk to all the different distributors. You know, you're going to see who you like and who you want to work with. Everybody gets hung up on equipment and, oh, I only want to work with this or I only want to work with that. I, I think having the ability to work with, listen to people. You know, there's a lot of experience in this industry. So there's a lot of open experience. Like, if you're in, the, in this industry, the distributors are willing to talk to you. They're willing to, to explain things to you. They're willing to help you. I think take advantage of that in a positive way. You know, don't take advantage of people, but you know, see who's got the best to offer and and really go for it. But in terms of getting involved in any industry, you got to be involved in the trade shows. You got to be involved in the events that happen locally or nationally. Like you know, people may say, "Oh, I don't want to fly across the country to go see to to go to a trade show." Well, then don't get involved in the industry because. If you don't have an outlook that you want to be around people that are like-minded and, and, and going for it, I mean, there's so much knowledge at these shows. There's there's so much knowledge that you learn from different generations. So if you're younger, there's older people. If you're older, there's younger people. Like at this point, the 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 dining rooms that you sit at during those events, there's it's invaluable the amount of information. So I think get involved, be smart, but really you know, get involved in the, in the best organization in the industry. I mean, when I was in the bar industry, I went to every single bar and nightclub show. I flew to Vegas. Whether I never had the time to do it, but I found time to do it. You right. know, and 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 I never left the show. People would always be like, "Well, that's crazy. It's going to cost you four thousand dollars." That's a bad outlook from the beginning. That's mm -hmm. going to make you forty thousand dollars because mm -hmm. I never left the show that I didn't make a lot of money off of because you learn something, you bring the practice back to your to your business, and and you grow. Right. Right. Great. Great advice. Last question for you, Ryan, and I really appreciate your time because I know you're uh, you're super busy. But can you describe the future of the laundromat business in three words? You, you might stump me on this one. <laughs> um, I mean, I could do it in four words. I'll take four. <laughs> Everybody has to do laundry. It's an interesting four words, but it, it it's just the simple reality of it that. People do laundry. They have to do laundry. Laundromats are essential. I mean, during during the pandemic, they still were essential. They'll always be essential. And I think laundromats are here for the future in a large way. And I think that if you're willing to change and change with the times, I think you're really into the future. So my four words would be everybody has to do laundry. I love that. That's four words. Yeah. Uh, that was everything I had. Is there anything maybe I didn't ask that you would like to get out there that you would like to share about your uh, journey the last 10 years in the uh, the laundromat business? No, I think um, maybe touch it all. Perfect. I mean, 
it's funny because it's ten years, and now we're having we're having this fun, um, you know, podcast interview. And it's been, you know, I, I actually sat down the other day, and I was I was thinking about this, and I was like, the road to get here has been so up, down, left, right, and you know, not that we're anywhere. You know, we're still very young to the game. We have a lot of hopeful hopeful growth, and you know, a lot of relationships that we still need to touch on and grow, but. I, I love I love the industry. I know my partner loves the industry, and I, we really look forward to the future. And uh, hopefully, we could really make something special out of it. Absolutely. Hey, Ryan, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. I learned a lot, and uh, best yeah. of luck to you uh, in the future. Thanks, Bob. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you too. Thanks for joining us on our podcast today. If you haven't done so already. Please be sure to subscribe to Planet Laundry at planetlaundry.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube.